You are listening to the Just Between Us Women podcast, hosted by Leah Brueggemann and Katherine Johnson. We are bringing you conversations about topics you might feel strongly about, but are too afraid to begin. How we navigate entrepreneurship as a wife and a mom without losing ourselves in either identity. We want to open the conversation and how we continue to grow in our faith while pursuing our passions. How strong communities of women help us to grow personally and ways to foster them. And taboo subjects no one wants to bring up don't need to be a business owner, a wife, or a mom to come join us. All you have to have is a desire for discussions that scratch deeper than the surface. All right, so today we have kind of a heavy topic to talk about. Um, We're getting pretty serious pretty quick, but um, we are having a guest on. It's actually my oldest sister, Lauren. Um, This is Catherine talking, by the way. I don't know if you guys have figured out whose voice is whose yet, but this is Catherine. (laughs) Um, So my oldest sister, Lauren, is the vice president of strategic partnerships for Life Action, which is a pro-life organization. Um, I haven't said this on the podcast before, but if you follow me, you know that I have 13 siblings. So Lauren is the eldest of 14. So our family is definitely (laughs) pro-life. But yeah, we thought we would have her on today um, since she is an expert in this area. So first of all, uh, Lauren, if you want to give your backstory of like how you got into the movement. Sure. Uh, Thanks everybody for joining who's listening in today uh, or on this episode, if you're listening later. (laughs) Um, So as Catherine mentioned, I'm the vice president at Live Action. So I actually serve on the executive team and help lead the organization alongside our president, Lila Rose. Many of you have probably heard of her before. If not, you should go follow her on social media. She's super cool. Um, And so Lila was the one who, of course, hired me. And I actually heard Lila speak at a prayer breakfast in D.C. because I used to live just outside of D.C. for work right after college. And I had never shared this with anybody, Um, even being the oldest of so many kids. I secretly had this little hesitation of like, I don't know if I can be 100% pro-life because what about the case of rape? Like I personally could not imagine if I was a 20 something year old girl who was raped and pregnant from that. I was like, I can't imagine quote unquote being forced to carry that baby to term. I just, you know, hadn't really, uh, I just really had that as like a roadblock to becoming fully pro-life. So we'll talk about a little, we'll talk about that argument in a little bit. Um, But just for like backstory that the way that Lila presented it during this talk And just the fact that she was so on fire that this is the gravest human rights injustice of our time. Um, She kind of made me feel guilty for never being involved on top of kind of solving this problem for me of what about the case of rape. Um, So after that talk, I just became so convicted and started to see live actions investigative videos, um, which are undercover videos where we've exposed the abortion industry. And just saw those coming across my Facebook feed regularly and the organization I was working at before was helping to promote live actions videos. So I started to see them a lot and just became more and more convicted that if this can happen in our country, like why does anything else matter? We can't, we don't have a future for America. We don't have a healthy political system. We don't have an economy when we can kill our own children in the womb. Um, So became super convicted and actually found out that I had friends who knew Lila, which I was like, this is such a small (laughs) world that I know people who know her. And uh, yeah, worked the network and found a job description that I felt like was written for me for live action. And I've been there for almost seven years. So I kind of like it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
So what do you, what do you do? Like the ins and out of your job? Oh, that's a great question. Um, many things. <laughs> um, so working alongside Lila and Joseph, our COO, um, I help set the entire strategy for our organization. So, and, and hiring and all of our messaging, I kind of help oversee all the different aspects. My personal, personal speciality is, um, what I would say is like forming our culture as an organization. So organizational health is so important to be able to, um, yeah, just have a healthy organization and like trust and vulnerability on your team. Um, so I work alongside the team to, uh, just make sure the right people are in the right seats. We're using their strengths to the best of our abilities, um, and the skills and talents that they bring to the team. So, um, and then I also oversee our events, PR, media, and then my main, like my biggest role is to help with and help oversee our entire fundraising team. So Live Action is a nonprofit organization. Most pro-life nonprofits that you hear about are, you know, they depend on donations to be able to do their work. So I've helped grow our uh, funding for our organization over the past seven years. And then I've kind of like moved within the organization to hire the right people and then serve on the executive team to kind of set the strategy and direction for our whole org. So lots of hats. Many <laughs> yeah. hats. <laughs> yeah. So That's many. busy. It is very busy, but it's really fun. It's so fulfilling. Like the fact that I get to be a part of such an awesome mission. Like I get to help save lives and transform hearts and minds every day. And then also to see the individuals on our team when we put them in the right seats and I get to know them really well. And we like adjust their workloads, adjust the projects they're working on. And they're like thriving in our organization and say like, I've had a couple people say that I've worked with. They're like, live action is the best place I've ever worked at. And it's like literally been life-changing for them. Um, it's been life-changing for me because we also have a huge focus on personal development um, and just like, it's like the personal and professional. So we kind of like, I've done mentorship and coaching that I've been able to receive through live action because it's so important to be a whole awesome person that you bring to the organization. There's not like work life and personal life. They are so integrated in so many ways. Um, so yeah, that is like the best one of the best parts of working at live action. Yeah. I can vouch for that too, because actually I did like a little contract. Um, when I was pregnant with Seth, I worked for them for like eight months. I think mm -hmm. it was. Yeah. Um, at doing like admin assistant stuff, which also was lots of hats, but it was seriously coming from like a very corporate job to then working for live action was so refreshing. Mm -hmm. And also of course, it's such an important movement to be in. So I just felt so fulfilled and so happy and I loved it so much. I only mm -hmm. wish that I could have worked longer, but <laughs> then I had a baby. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you we do actually babies. have some great, like amazing, inspiring full-time moms on our team, which yeah. I inspire to be mm -hmm. <laughs> someday. But like Lila, our president has a baby. We had one girl on our team who had four kids who was working for us. Um, you know, Joseph is a dad working on our team. So we're also a very family friendly organization. Yeah. There's often babies and children on Zoom calls and are working <laughs> remotely. So it's a really, really great, like flexible place to work too. Which totally makes sense because obviously you want to make it a place where mm -hmm. moms can work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I know that's something I've seen happen with some women in the workplace where, you know, yeah. everything's Gucci until they say they're pregnant and then, mm -hmm. you know, it gets really difficult. That's so. Terrible. I would say that's one aspect of like 
we were talking earlier before the call we were prepping our notes about how the uh, pro-life movement is often accused of being only pro-birth rather than like Mm pro-life. And I think that's one area that our entire culture, our country could really, especially America could lead in of like, let's make the workplace a easy, flexible place for moms to be able to have families and be able to work like part-time or smaller hours, or just have the flexibility flexibility of being able to bring your baby to work and have nursing yeah. rooms. Like yeah. let's revamp our, our, you know, business cultures to be able to make space for women because women are so needed in the workforce. We bring such a like intuition that guys just don't have, sorry guys, but <laughs> it's like a sixth sense. I think that women have that we really bring, especially that relationship aspect of it. Like, and when it comes to HR or just like, again, yeah. putting people in the right seats in the organization, helping people thrive, connecting people well in your company. Um, that's a huge area for improvement. Um, and I, you know, I, I am proud of live action that we do lead in that. Like we try really, yeah. we work really hard and have key discussions to make sure that the workplace is a space that women can, if that is their desire to like have a full-time career and have a family that we are able to make the space to be able to do that. Yeah. I feel like that's a big lie of the abortion industry too, is telling mm-hmm. women that you have to choose, you know, you can't do uh, both. Yes. You have to either be yes. a career woman or a mom. There's no <laughs> lies. both lies, lies, lies. Yes. So (laughs) it's so important, like you were saying, to be that um, innovator in that, in the business realm. Mm -hmm. So, and to encourage women to be brave, to make that choice. Cause I like, you just can't deny that it is really tough to be able to choose Mm -hmm. both. Right. It is not easy, especially because our culture has so much work to do in that area, but to like take on the challenge to have a family and have your career, if that is what you feel like your calling is, mm-hmm. is a great challenge and a huge opportunity to like really vision cast for our culture of like what a world can look like without abortion. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think that <clears throat> a lot of women feel that will feel that calling, but are very daunted by the fact that they may be the first one trying to do that. Um, or even if, if they're going into it, maybe you know, they have one or two kids and a lot of women are like, okay, you know, one or two kids I can do, but what if I have five or six? Um, How mm-hmm. does that work? And I think a lot of times, we you know, what I see is the bosses just, they just kind of keep pushing them out and pushing them out as little mm-hmm. and little, little until, you know, they voluntarily retire or quit, but it's because mm-hmm. that, that workplace definitely needs adjustment um mm-hmm. for sure mm-hmm. so i agree yeah <laughs> that's all i have to say <laughs> <laughs> so important so good so one of the questions that we had for you i think lee and i both had this question was like what to post on social media about this topic um mm-hmm. because we are so pro-life because it's such an important topic like mm-hmm. when what do you post when do you post <clears throat> when do you ignore people who are pro-abortion online? Like, how do you navigate all of that on the online space? Whew, it's a loaded question. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, but you're asking the right organization because yeah. we, um, in case you guys don't know about live action, we do have the largest social media presence for the entire pro-life movement. We have over 5.2 million followers total, and we're on all of the major platforms and always looking for fun other ones to be a part of. Um, so social media posting is as of right now, one of the things that we've become really, really good at. So one thing I would say, go follow live action for just good examples of how we present the messaging and how we tackle such a tough topic regularly. 
um, to kind of get our tone, our messaging, the way that we go about it. So one thing to be, um, I would say a, a couple things for a, a really good way to just start and spark conversations is to post like in your stories, right? So it's something that you can kind of give some nuance to. You can even get on and like kind of explain why you're posting whatever it is, because you do kind of need a little bit of packaging, quote unquote, to like couch the conversation in the right way. Um, and then for posting on social media, I would say a couple key things is to just have like an attitude of charity when you're sharing it and compassion for people who have suffered from abortions. Like, you know, every, it's like one in four women have had an abortion themselves. So that means there's that many people in our own circles who are, you know, who are suffering from the trauma, post-trauma of abortion. And that's a lot of times that's hidden. People don't talk about their abortions that they've had. And so it can be really quote unquote triggering for people. Um, so you want to make sure that you're not posting with like cuss words and expletives and like being super angry posting about it. You can be like kind of righteous indignation of like, this has got to stop. This is unbelievable. Like this injustice has got to end. But like, you, there's a difference between that and being like, F this, like, this is the worst thing ever. Just being like, really, really careful about how you, you know, quote unquote, market your message, because people are gonna, you as a messenger also speak a lot more than the posts that you post, right? Yeah. So if you in general are one of those people that just like post a lot of crude stuff or just like <laughs> expletive filled stuff or, you know, music that most people don't approve of, like that kind of, you know, your persona, quote unquote, online kind of speaks volumes before you even post anything pro-life, right? So people are not going to take you seriously as somebody who's advocating for the pre-born if they don't trust you as an individual anyway by the other stuff that you're posting, if that makes sense. Um, so it's kind of understanding this whole, like, there's, you can't be like, pro-life is not in this little box. It's kind of like, in, it should be integrated into everything yeah. of who you are as a person. And that means like leading in love and charity, but then also being really bold and sharing the truth. Um, I'm trying to think what else, what was the other part of the question on that one? When do you ignore someone who is like, because yeah. I actually had this today, this morning, actually, <laughs> of course, today, um, one of my friends, um, coworkers from a previous job, she's uh, pro-abortion and she was like, she was there weren't expletives, but I mean, it's very crude. The way it was worded mm -hmm. it was very crude. Um, and I did, I did engage. I did um, reply to it because everyone else on there was in her circle of being, you know, abortion. Mm -hmm. They're mm -hmm. like, you know, cheering her on. And we have that kind of relationship um, where we're friends as well. So I, right. you know, she could appreciate me posting on it and not get offended or, you know, mad at me. Um, but yeah, it's like when, because we have that relationship, I felt comfortable enough to mm -hmm. engage. So when do you like decide that ooh, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I should just ignore this post and when should I engage on it? That is an excellent question. Um, it really takes a lot of prudence and just like you said, judgment on whether like, are you really good friends with this person and will they take it like, well, if you get into an argument with them on, on the topic um, I have, you know, had people unfriend me in my early days of pro-life activism because I was just like getting into these comment wars with people on their walls. And I didn't have a solid, strong relationship with the person whose wall I was posting on, I was arguing with one of her really good friends. 
And so that went super far south because I, you know, now I'm not friends with them on Facebook anymore. And then now that conversation is just like shut down. Yeah. So I would say being a good judge of, you know, the relationship that you have with the person that you're arguing with. And I've also found a lot of times it's better to just like take that conversation into a like chat or something instead, rather than it being this like awesome, like take down quote unquote on somebody's mm-hmm. wall. You know, if it's somebody you don't have a super strong relationship with, it's just so much healthier to go have a personal conversation with them either online or even better, like go talk to them in person, like set up a coffee, go chat with them about the issue. If you're like, you know, friends with them or just not even super close friends yet. Um, you just never know what those conversations could spark in their mind to, you know, help change their mind. So yeah, I would say just kind of judge and have prudence based on your personal relationship with them. And I, I really don't think comment wars on different like groups or, um, yeah, different conversations like that can be really unproductive actually. So it's really just being, again, go in with charity and like, be really cognizant of the person that you're speaking with. Like it's, I know it feels great sometimes to like be this to be this like, you know, warrior that I'm spouting the truth and I'm taking a stand. You're like, yes, but there's a right and way wrong to do it. So yeah, I would say lead with charity and build personal relationships for it to be kind of built on. I have so many things to, not to say, I have a lot of questions about this because I'm coming from like a platform that's completely, um, like, I just never really talk about abortion, really. Um, I mean, I am I very much talk about health all the time. So I, mm-hmm. whenever I'm talking, like, for example, about birth control or anything like that, I'm always talking about the health implications of it. I'm not even getting into the moral implications of it. And so I have a very large following that actually has had abortions or is on birth control. And I'm very, I'm not hesitant for staking my claim i'm very hesitant to say something that's going to completely turn somebody the other way because social media it's it's very hard to get your tone across sometimes mm-hmm. you know and it's mm-hmm. like when somebody sees something on a story like i've had people get so offended and then just block and i'm like well now you're not seeing anything mm-hmm. um so it it is very um it's such a fine line that I feel like I don't even know where the line is sometimes of saying something that could spark a conversation without just, you know, making somebody really mad. Because mm-hmm. I feel like when you make somebody really mad, you're not starting a positive conversation at that point, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But so if you have any thoughts on that, I would love to hear them because I feel like I play more on the hesitant of like, Mm-hmm. More on the charity side, like I say some things here and there, um, but I try and not be super in your face about it because mm-hmm. I also, d- I prefer to take those conversations somewhere else. Right. Yeah. And take them personally. Um, it is very tricky and it just takes a lot of like that constant discernment. Um, I also don't think in some ways, I mean, we've kind of learned this too, through our own platforms in some ways it can be an act of charity and to actually make somebody pissed off over it because that means you've triggered something in them and they actually, they might feel guilty about it, or it might be something where maybe they were involved in an abortion and you have no idea. Um, so it, it can be an act of mercy to kind of like 
say it how it needs to be said and like let people feel a little bit of grief and anger over it. And we've seen that a lot. Like some many people get super angry about the stuff that we've post might even unfollow us and just be like, you guys are crazies, but you just don't know the seed that you just planted and that they would be thinking about it later on. And like, because it bothered them so much, sometimes that emotional reaction is actually really good and positive and can, and you just never know what that fruit could be later on. Um, so I would say the more that you can kind of, like you said, take those conversations and do it personally. Um, and then like, because you're dealing with, you know, women's health, it is, you know, abortion is a huge block to women being able to be healthy. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. the many, many, many of the problems we have in our culture is, you know, and as women in our physical health is because we have abortion and birth control, um, you know, just so prominent throughout our country. Like you can look at the trajectory. It's like when birth control and abortion became really commonly known, we also have all these other problems. Like we have major, we have more infertility probably now than ever what's ever been tracked before. Um, you know, women struggling with depression, more women on, on antidepressants than ever before. So there's, there's definitely correlation there and there should be like way more case studies done, um, based off of like, did a woman have an abortion? And is that why we have a higher, you know, maternal death rate and like all of these things, there's so much to even unpack there that people are not researching and studying. So if anybody has interest in doing that, somebody needs to like go do more research and case studies on the correlations there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that was, that's really helpful to even think, like you said, like before you share something, even coming on and being like, this is the context of what I'm sharing Mm -hmm. this as. Um, And now if you don't mind, I actually have some questions that I've gotten a lot and I would love to just um, bounce them off and be like, these are ways Mm -hmm. that you can answer them. Because I think I know I'm not the only one that sometimes gets questions and you go, mm-hmm. uh, what's the best way to answer that? So yeah. one of the biggest ones that I get is, um, it, it's kind of like a series that women's rights, basically we care about women's rights. Mm-hmm. And so therefore like you want to care about the woman that is carrying the baby instead of the baby itself. And I always mm-hmm. have brought up the argument, you know, what about the women in the womb? Like, do we not care about those mm-hmm. rights? And the argument that always comes back is um, you and I disagree on when life starts. Mm. So if you have any good, you know, arguments for that or mm-hmm. anything, because obviously science says, you know, when right. life starts and we know it starts at conception, but there are people that I think truly or truly want to believe that life starts whenever they want it to start. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think there's two aspects to that argument that you just shared. There's the women's rights aspect of it. And then there's the, when does life begin aspect? So I'm going to start with women's rights. So whenever does anybody, it's kind of like, I would kind of shoot back the question of, okay, the right to do what though? What are we talking about? Like what the right to do, what actions you're saying that a woman should have a right to kill her child. Why you can't, you, that's just like not a non-argument. No one has a a right 
you wouldn't sit, tell a woman that you have a right to kill your two-year-old because they're driving you crazy for crying out loud. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. So kind of, kind of shooting it back at them. Okay. Women's rights. Yes. Agreed. Women should have the right to vote. Women should have the right to work like these different other awesome rights that women absolutely should have. And that's a great point for us to kind of like be of one mind and get on the same ground. Like we actually agree on like 90% of what you're talking about when it comes to women's rights. No one, man or woman, has a right to kill a human being in the womb. Now, then we can talk about whether or not that's a human being in the womb. And like you said, science shows exactly, and now more than ever, there's so much proof that there is a brand new human life from the moment of conception as soon as that new little zygote is formed. That is a new person with brand new DNA, completely different from the mother or father. And it's a completely different cell from an egg or a sperm. It's like brand new. There's no, you can't identify the two parts anymore. It's one one unit, one new cell that is multiplying a billion times a second. Um, so you kind of, what I, what I encourage people to do is like, okay, go look up and we're actually producing a really cool video coming out this year about fetal development. It's going to be a three to four minute video that is like Pixar quality animation. I'm stoked about this because there's nothing like this that exists for even just for pregnant women to see the like formation of their child in the womb. And it's going to be a great argument you know, a great, great case for us. And it's going to be backed up by all this medical research, you know, approved by doctors and medical experts of like, this is exactly how fetal development works from the moment of conception. Um, so you can kind of, again, shoot it back to somebody and say, okay, where within fetal development, would you say it's okay to have an abortion and why? Because like, if it is a, if it is a brand new cell, talking about science, if we're going to base it just on science, that is a new cell with the potential to grow into a human person. Um, One argument that I've also, we've used in a couple of our videos is um, like the hunter in a forest, right? If there's any indication that there could be a human being anywhere in your shooting range, right? You never shoot ever because it's a potential that there is a human life out there that you could accidentally kill. Abortion is the same way. If there could be a human life that has the potential to grow into a full grown human person to birth, why would you ever even like attempt to uh, kill that life? Um, so yeah, I kind of put it back on, on that. Like go, go look up human, human development. Live action is going to have this new video out. We have a couple other videos explaining it. Um, and you know, you don't have to go to a pro-life organization, go look it up in medical textbooks, um, that people use in the medical field. It is clearly a human person from day one. No, I love that. I mean, in some ways it's just, it's a circle argument. You know, you're, you're Mm going to keep coming back to the point that they want to just argue. Um, but I love when you can still be like, well, we're just going to leave it. If you're going to bring in science, like here's science. And yeah, then go look it up for yourself. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing is too, especially when you're having those like personal conversations with people in your chats, like in your private messages, um, individually in person, um, kind of understanding why somebody wants to have an exception for abortion. Like, why do you feel like abortion is necessary? Mm-hmm. Because then that kind of gets to like, okay, you, maybe you participated in abortion somehow, or you had a family member or a friend who had an abortion. So in many ways, people defend abortion because they have some personal connection to it. And that's really the roadblock to them accepting it. Because if they can accept that it kills a human being, 
then their friend or family member, or they themselves could be guilty of that. And that is really hard to face. And that's a, it's a lot to actually be able to admit that you participated in a murder in within the womb is horrifying, Mm -hmm. but it's the only way that we're going to be able to get to the healing that we need in our country. And for people to face that guilt and face, face the horror that they participated in to then heal from it. And then to become themselves advocates for the preborn. Yeah. Yeah. So those exceptions, we can definitely, that's something we wanted to touch on. And that's always what it comes back to. They always, always are going to say, okay, well, what about rape? Mm -hmm. What about incest? And what about endangerment of the mother? So Mm -hmm. I know you can, two of those rape and incest usually kind of, you can put together. Yeah. Um, So if you want to explain kind of that better of like why that still is not actually a case for abortion. Totally. Um, So for rape and incest, um, the, even the argument actually that Lila gave at the talk that convinced me to be totally pro-life is how come a child in the womb has to accept the death penalty for the crime of their father? Like in the, in both cases for rape and incest, how, like a a person who commits rape doesn't even get the death penalty. Mm -hmm. How come a child has to accept a death penalty because of the circumstances outside of their control of how they were conceived? And do we actually believe that every single human life is a miracle? Like you study human development, the millions of things that have to be just right for that little person to become a human being in the womb is astounding. It is literally a miracle every time a human person is made. So if we truly believe that, it doesn't matter the circumstances when we're talking about the human life, right? Obviously, rape and incest are horrible, awful violences that happen to the woman, but we're talking about two different actions and we have to be able to separate those two in our minds to address it correctly. Like, yes, the person who raped the woman needs to be held to the extent of the law. Absolutely. We are on the same page that, you know, that is one problem. Now we're talking about abortion is a follow-up act. Um, And the other, another great argument that I love that Catherine even brought up earlier is um, the trauma of abortion is adding a trauma on top of the rape or on top of incest. And that additional trauma doesn't heal what happened in the first trauma of rape or incest. It adds on top of it. So a lot of people, you know, you know, in many ways, the people who have these kind of exceptions, they are coming from a place of like love and compassion. It's just misplaced love and compassion because they're like this poor woman just experienced this most horrific thing. And now she has a baby to deal with on top of it. We're like, it's horrible. That is an awful situation, but how about we love on that woman, help her get healing from the first trauma that she experienced in the first place, and then help her bring this baby to term and find ways for her. She can, you know, there's so many options for her. She can, you know, get the support to keep the baby herself. She can do, and there's like so many options for open adoption. Now there's adoption and foster care. There's so many different other avenues for that woman afterwards. And yeah, give her the support that she needs all along the way and afterwards. Yeah. I think another part of the argument that people bring up and this woman who I had a discussion with earlier brought up is that what if it's like, you know, an 11 or 12 year old girl, like she is not fit to be a mother. Like, what do you do in those situations, whether it's rape or incest, you know? Yeah. And again, horrible situation. I just cannot even imagine. But again, giving a 12 or an 11 year old an abortion on top of it and like literally traumatizing her womb and her psychology at 11 or 12 years old is horrifying on top of what was just committed. So that 
11 or 12 year old girl needs more love than ever before. And you know, there's, that's a lot of tough conversations to have at that young of like human life and how this goes. Um, but again, there's so many options available to women. And I think there's so many opportunities for our culture to improve all of those other options, but there are so many options available to her. Um, and then we were also going to talk about, um, life of the mother, yeah, life and health of the mother. So, uh, there's actually this declaration that's been signed, um, called the Dublin declaration and over 2000, uh, medical experts and doctors have signed this declaration. I think it was in the nineties that says, you know, as doctors, we can uphold that it is never medically necessary to kill a preborn child to save the life of the mother. Now, are there really tough circumstances in which if the woman carried on her pregnancy, she and the baby would both die? There are really tough circumstances like that, but there are ways to either induce labor and give that baby a chance at life, or there's a way to like remove that child and just like hope and pray that the baby can, uh, exist, you know, sustain outside the womb, but there's never a reason to directly kill a child to like inject them with digoxin and like purposefully yeah. kill, like, you know, stop that baby's heartbeat or, you know, rip the baby apart in the womb. There's that is just not necessary. There's so many, especially in our day and age, medical mm -hmm. advances that we've had. Um, they're even testing, um, you know, there's like artificial wombs, like maybe someday if babies uh, need to be removed from the womb in like 15 weeks, we could put them in an artificial womb and they could, you know, survive. So, you know, and, and be able to save the mother. So there's, as these medical experts and doctors have said, there's ways to treat both their, their two patients involved, right? So like, let's, treat the mom. Yes. And then let's also find a way if possible and give that baby a chance at life. Um, and there's so many miracles, like every, it feels like almost every year, every other year, there's a story of a little, like a little baby that's like 22 weeks old that survives outside the womb. And that age keeps getting younger and younger. Like these babies are amazing mm -hmm. who have early, you know, early labor and it, it happens. And that baby just is a fighter and keeps on. And you just never know. Same thing with a woman's life in danger. You can save the mom and then also give that baby a chance at life. Yeah. I think another argument that's kind of devil's advocate to that situation that I've heard is that why would you remove the child to have them go through so much pain when they only have a, maybe a tiny amount of life on this earth? Yeah. So I would say that's kind of for all of us, right? We all have pain and suffering and challenges. Like, is that a reason to give anybody the death penalty and to kill them? Absolutely not. Right. Like those challenges and a tough life, people overcome tough challenges and obstacles in their life all the time. And those are usually the most inspiring stories and the people who do the most amazing things in life, um, are able to overcome anything. And yeah, every single person has inherent dignity that must be respected no matter what, like that value is inherent of you as a person, not what you do, not what you suffer or don't suffer. You as a human being deserve that dignity and respect no matter what. Right. Totally. Yeah. I mean, and also you, I've seen so many stories of these stories, like you said, of these little tiny, tiny babies, sometimes miraculously they make it sometimes mm -hmm. they don't, which is awful, but why would you not give that child to be surrounded by love of the parents? Mm -hmm. And I have not seen one story that parents like wish that they hadn't never, ever. I've, I've never, never seen ever, that either. Ever I've seen, seen that. hundreds of stories of parents who 
have had to undergo like an early induction or yeah. something. And it's really tough, but the parents are so happy. They were able to get pictures of them holding their baby or even little handprints or footprints and things like mm-hmm. that. You just cannot, you just can't replace that. Like that is the most special memory and right. you should absolutely be given that opportunity. Right. That gives the parents some sort of closure too. Yes. And to be able to agree. don't have that in an abortion. Yeah. So true. No, even the same thing when people have that argument of if you can't take care of the kid and so then you're going to send it to um, adoption and the foster care system is so messed up and all of that. And it still comes back to, so you're going to make that decision to just give them, take away any chance of any life. And yeah, talk to any child who has been adopted or has been through foster care system pretty sure they would say I'd rather have the chance to be able to like have a great life than for you to kill me. I mean, for crying out loud. Yeah. yeah. I actually know someone personally who was adopted. She had a bad situation with her adopted family, mm-hmm. but she still is very grateful. At least that, yeah, she was given life. Mm-hmm. I mean, just because she her, she had abuse in her family, her adopted family, that's awful. It's horrible, but she at least can choose where her life is going to go. She doesn't have to stay in that situation. She hasn't mm-hmm. stayed in that situation. She's able to get the healing and therapy that she needs. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Who are you? Who are we to say, no, nope, you just can't live then. Like, oh, I know. Like what power are we giving ourselves that we can see into the future of what kind yeah. of life that child's going to have, mm-hmm. which takes me to my next question of, you you brought it up already how a lot of times people say that if you're pro-life you're just pro-birth you're not actually pro-life and taking care of the child and so i would love for you to share how pro-life community is actually you know such a big driver in helping women um through their pregnancy versus you know any other organization out there Yeah. So there, a lot of people don't know about all the amazing organizations and ministries there are that do support women, you know, through up until the baby's two and then even afterwards. So it's really up to, um, so I'll share a little bit about those first. So there are places like, um, heartbeat international care net. They have multiple, they're called pregnancy resource centers that are sprinkled all over the United States. And there are thousands more of them than abortion facilities, by the way, there are so many check it out. Just look it up. You can Google like pregnancy resource center in your own town or nearby. Catherine was just sharing how she, um, is probably going to be volunteering for one. That's really close Mm -hmm. to us here in Kansas. Um, so there are amazing resources for women. And I think it's our duty as people who say we're pro-life to know where our local facility is so that if we ever encounter somebody who's, you know, in that situation or looking for help, we know exactly where to send them. Um, and they, they can provide everything like Mm -hmm. diapers, formula, counseling, Um, if you decide to keep your own baby, they'll give you support and hopefully they'll plug you into like your local church and get you involved in your local school so that you have everything all the way through. Mm -hmm. Um, and then if you choose, there's so many awesome, um, adoption agencies. Now I shared earlier, a lot of options for open adoption now too, which is really awesome that that is becoming, you know, a more common thing. Um, And then, you know, people give that argument of the foster care system is so messed up. Okay, then let's fix the foster care system. I agree. It is a mess. So that's on us as pro-life individuals. If you feel inspired to help reform the, you know, both the adoption process, because it is way too expensive for a lot of people, Mm -hmm. um, for people who are trying to adopt 
And then same thing with foster care system, like the excuse that it's a bad system is not an excuse. Then get off your ass and go change do something system. about it. Yes. Change the system. Um, that's so, where our taxpayer money should go to is actually fixing yes. the problem. Abortion is not fixing the problem at all. How about that no. money goes towards actually fixing the foster care system and helping adoptions be mm-hmm. more affordable for people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I think it's also really up to our churches as well to like become more like involved and to be plugged in. Like, again, the church should know who your pregnancy resource center is and have that like awesome working relationship so that you can also, you know, your church can work, walk alongside that woman. So she's never alone in the process. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's also, if you're plugged into your church community, well, there are so many, again, there's so many people struggling with infertility now. And so many people who have like extra spare rooms, we live in like the most wealthy country in the world. There's so many opportunities and people who would love to help others, but we're so like disconnected. I mean, COVID has really made that a lot harder too, yeah. um, but we're so disconnected from our own communities that if we would be get, get more plugged in, have these tough conversations more often, it's amazing the connections that you can make. And like every, like every single mom who needs that help can actually, there are so many resources and people who want to help. Mm-hmm. Um, so building those networks um, and having those conversations is critical. Yeah, it's really hard to, I think, for some people to broach that conversation, you know, like Mm -hmm. you said, to have the difficult conversations. And I think in some instances, like, no matter how that child was conceived and brought into this world, for some people, there can be, depending on that situation, there can be a lot of shame. And, and I think that even as communities, like they may be looking on that individual in that way. And I think that's something that uh, we need to change as well, because no matter how the child was conceived, a child is always a gift, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I know that that, I totally agree. The child is not the problem. Like the child is like, God decided that actually, even in whatever case of sin or whatever happened beforehand, God decided to actually turn that into something good and have a baby come out of it. And that is awesome. So yeah, I agree. It's like, why are we judging women for being pregnant? That is ridiculous. Like God decided that baby is going to be there. So Mm -hmm. let's help her and support her all the way through. Right. Yeah. I agree. Her sin is more exposed than yours. Doesn't mean it's worse than yours. Exactly. Yeah. So true. Yeah. Which I think that just comes from individuals standing up and like changing that community because, Mm -hmm. you know, I see that in a lot of different communities and, or, or even women telling their story and they Mm -hmm. are always very hush hush about it. Um, And I don't know, bringing awareness is the first step, you know, Mm -hmm. so got to talk about it. Agreed. So the last thing, which you kind of already touched on then with this whole past conversation, but ways to get involved, if you could give concrete examples of ways for people to get involved in the movement. Yes, sure. I have lots. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have five main ones are, I'm actually pulling this from a great Instagram post that we posted. um, I think it was a few weeks ago, six weeks ago, actually. Um, So the five that I can share right now, um, one would be just learn and educate yourself on the issue. So there's so many great resources out there. Learn from the pro-life content we're putting out that others are putting out and share it with your friends again in a charitable, kind way. 
Um, but like you said, the only way we can share awareness is if we know the facts and know the issue really well ourselves and be able to do, you know, have those arguments that, you know, or discussions that need to be had. Um, so learn and educate yourself really well. We actually have a great series called pro-life replies. And actually a lot of the arguments that I shared, we have in individual videos that, um, have these really awesome experts and motion graphics and things to kind of give you an argument for each of the most common um, pro what we call pro-abortion arguments. So check those out. Those are also a great way to just be fully equipped with the talking points that you need. Um, another, so I'll say number two, the second way you can get involved is to advocate for the pre-born. Um, so know who your representatives are in your state and contact them about abortion-related legislation that's going on in your own state and in your own community. Um, if you just go to usa.gov backslash elected officials, there's ways for you to just find out what, what the heck is happening even in my own state. And I really think starting at the state level is critical um, for us to be able to make huge headway uh, for the pro-life movement. So advocate would be number two. Um, you can you know, represent the pro-life movement again on your social media platforms. You can wear pro-life gear. A lot of, we've had a lot of people who wear you know, kind of, it's a subtle kind of pro-life t-shirt or a sweatshirt or something, but it sparks really good conversations with people. She's like, what does your shirt mean? Like what, what's going on here? What, what is that? Um, so that's a great way as well. There's tons of great pro-life gear. Of course, I'm going to give the live action plug. We have a great shop. <laughs> if you're looking for cool pro-life gear, um, like I mentioned earlier, another thing that you can do is donate to a pro-life organization or one of those pregnancy resource centers. Like I talked about the women, you know, if you, if you are really concerned about women being supported there, again, there's so many great organizations, um, and centers out there that are, that are supporting women all the way through. So donate to them, um, whether it's money, your time, your talents, um, diapers, formula, all the, all the good things. Um, and then another great way, this, I, this actually was one, another key way that actually got me involved in the pro-life movement. And that is to go and what we say, just go witness outside of an abortion facility in your own town or city, um, which sounds very daunting. And I avoided it for many years because I was like, that sounds awful. No, thank you. Or I'm just like not a super confrontational person myself. So I'm like, I am not getting involved in that. Um, but it's so awesome to, you know, yourself go and be a witness and for you to see for yourself that this is actually happening in your own town or your own neighborhood and to, like see the women going in and the like dejected sadness on their face when they go in and the like, you can like literally see the trauma on some of their faces when they walk out. It like really hurts to see, but it will get you fired up. And it's a great way to witness. There are so many, um, uh, we call them sidewalk counselors. So there's a great organization. If you're involved, if you want to learn more and get trained in this, I highly recommend you get trained because there's a right and a wrong way to counsel women outside of abortion facilities. Um, it's called sidewalk advocates for life and they do awesome, awesome trainings and they're super good at helping save lives. We kind of call that the front lines. That's kind of like the last resort way to, you know, help save a life from abortion, but it does work and people are successful at it, but get trained with the right people. Um, and it also, if you're not, you know, you're just not the type to do sidewalk counseling yourself and are just really daunted by that. It also is a huge witness to just go stand with a, a good sign and just like pray outside of it, or even just stand there and show that you're a physical witness being a voice, or even just like a physical presence on behalf of that baby in the womb, because you just never know what that kind of will spark in the mom or the dad who's walking into the facility. 
Um, there's many great stories of people who, you know, they even go in, they're about to go through with it. And then they just don't like some, somehow the sign that they saw outside, like really struck them. Um, and again, that was somebody who's not, not speaking to them directly, but they're just being a witness. Um, there's actually an organization called 40 days for life who does a, I think it's every quarter of 40 days kind of vigil outside of abortion facilities all over the country. And we actually had one that just started, I think yesterday or today, actually it starts today. Dun, dun, dun. So if you look up 40 days for life, you can find vigils happening in your own town. Um, and you'll be able to meet other cool pro-lifers. That's really, that's a great way to make good friends too. Is you'll meet other people who are passionate for the same work that you are. And I think that's also super important to make sure you surround yourself with people who do agree with you. Like it's awesome and good to stay friends with people who don't agree, but it is such a tough topic that making sure you have good friends who you can talk about it, who are on the same page. And like the conversation we're having now, we're all on the same page, but being able to chat about the discussions we're having, questions we're getting together is really, really solid. So those are the few ways to get involved. There are many others, but I think that's a good start. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, Leah, did you have any other questions or anything else you wanted to bring up? No, I'm just going to re-listen and take notes myself. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Sit down with a pen and paper when you listen to this yeah. episode. Yeah, <laughs> no, I think, yeah, we should put that in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> bring <notes>. a pen. <laughs> yeah, pen, paper. Right. Awesome. But yeah, this was yeah. a lot, um, a lot of information jam-packed into kind of a short amount of time, but yeah. Thank you for your time and coming on yeah. and, you know, discussing this because it is so important to talk about. It's not talked about enough in constructive, charitable ways. So no. thank you so much for having me. I know we appreciate you taking the time. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Just Between Us Women podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Just Between Us Women podcast, and we absolutely would love to hear from you. If you found this episode helpful, share it with a friend and be sure to share it to your Instagram story and tag us so we can see. You can expect episodes every Tuesday.